The two-pronged initiative calls upon freelance traders to deliver various raw commodities to the station. The slow trickle of citizens leaving the bubble for a new life in Colonia has been growing, 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 growing. Reporters, artists, designers, photographers and editors collaborate to bring the latest in-universe news and commentary. Project Ida, begun by Commander Fett Lee, is a call for pilots from all regions and affiliation. Speculation was that the octagonal menace would return to finish off the damaged station for good. Reports are coming in that the Thargoids have destroyed a Federation capital ship within the bubble. A war in the Core Worlds last week was declared and then ended only 18 hours later. Commander Holiday Primus has been sending cryptic messages spreading news of a mysterious group. Data regarding a long-running war between the Guardians and the Thargoids in the distant past is being pieced together. Commanders, and welcome to episode 198 of Lave Radio. This is the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Commander Edelweiss, otherwise known as Ben Mosswood Ward. And joining me in the Orange Sidewinder this week, we have Commander Thane. Hello, everybody, I'm here. Yay! Yay! Yeah, sorry, my, my, my throat, my voice, my lungs, my arms are kind of broken at the moment as well. So I will apologise if I sound like a like I'm coming through puberty or something weird like that. Yeah. It's only taken twenty odd years. Don't worry about it. <laughs> we we also have our head, head director, something like that, something to do with pest controls, Commander Ashley Divine. Com- hey, Commander, yeah, Doctor Toxic's here. Am I really? <laughs> Doctor Toxic's mostly here. He's, really he's pressing buttons be, and but things. Uh, making me be here. So why well, well, I should be in Super Cruise. Oh, well. Dr. Toxic and Super Cruise. We've also got the Lavian Space Program Director, Andy Barnes, otherwise known as Commander Kurgle. Hey, how's it going? And fresh in with multiple soapboxes this week, we have our Inhuman Resources Director, Commander Shan. Hello. Right. And I believe we've got a special guest here. Welcome back to Commander Tom D from... I'm at, right, you're from AEDC, I believe? Uh, AOS, Alliance Office of Statistics. A- a- oh, sorry, I- AOS, I will fix that in the notes. <laughs> no problem, hello. Yeah. <clears throat> Hi, Tom. <clears throat> sorry, can someone else talk amongst themselves while I go and give myself a good cough? So, Shan, what have you been up to? Um, I've actually been enjoying the sunshine for a change, so rather than being stuck in the house, I've been out cycling, uh, I've cut the lawn, which is a rarity. And I've uh, been playing a little bit of Elite this week. Oh, what have you been up to in, in Elite, then? Um, I've been making some money. I've, been, I've hit my credit goal for the year. 
So I can... well, that's Max C, isn't it? Sorry? That's Max Credits, isn't it? I don't know what Max Credits is, so I don't know. But anyway. Whatever a 64-bit int is for, or I don't know. I have no idea even if it is a 64-bit int. Anyway. It, was, it was enough, so I looked at the total today and thought, yeah, that'll do. Now, I just think it'd be so funny if you start rolling over into negative values. You mean like my crew members? <laughs> they need to pay you. We know that's the thing. All right. Commander Kurgle, how about you, mate? What have you been up to? Uni work is continuing to crush my social life, but other than that, I have squeezed some elite in this week, so I have been continuing to run missions for a faction I want to increase the influence of, and that's been going swell. Toxic, I know you've been out in the garden digging holes, putting your foot in holes, yep, watering digging holes, holes building sheds, like doing ponds and gardening, and... Oh yeah, shed! DIY update time! I'm actually putting a shed in my back garden. <laughs> Six before shed so I can get the lawnmower and the bike and stuff out of the rain. That makes sense. Um, problem is, is yeah, it's nothing compared to the bathroom update, but I have killed my hand on it so far. Um, manual screwdriver and loads of screws into a shed that hasn't been sanded down or anything. Painful. <laughs> is this right? no, I'm not as we speak with blood running down my hotest just so I can be on live radio tonight for you lot. <laughs> so appreciate it, folks. Yeah. Is this where I should... Yeah, I... Oh... I'm not going to... Shall I give a product placement for my Bosch screwdriver? <laughs> I will slap you if you do, because I'm going to come and steal it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, the other day, my, my screwdriver decided to go and die. So I got the Bosch EXO screwdriver, I think it is. And it's basically... It looks like a pistol. And it's got loads of adapters that change. With, so instead of it just coming out the front, it can come out and go up a bit wonky to get into hard-to-reach places, or it can do a 90 degrees bend. I love it. It's great. See, I'm much lazier. So Ben screwed first. I'll just put my <laughs> screwdriver tip in the drill and be done with it. Well, yeah. I mean, I've yet to see an electric screwdriver that's got the torque of, like, a human. You, know, you get up to, like, half of what you could do with your arm, and it starts going click, 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 click. If you're going into wood and things like that, then sometimes going click, click, click is maybe a good thing uh, that you don't want to go off and just turn your wood into a big hole instead of a drilled-in thing. Well, it would be nice if it would put the screw all the way into the wood before it starts going click, 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 but it got halfway yeah. and gave up, so I threw the damn thing away, got the manual one out again. Right, Tom, you got anything you want to say on uh, about DIY, or why don't you <laughs> go off and introduce yourself? Uh, so, I am uh, Commander Tom D. I am... Uh I'm leadership in the Alliance Office of Statistics, which is one of the forefront uh, runners of Mahon's Powerplay. That is essentially all you need to know about me. Yeah, we basically we went off and put a shout out in our Discord channel about six o'clock this evening, saying, "Hey, we've got these Powerplay things, and not many of us know a lot about Powerplay. Let's go and say anyone who wants to talk about Powerplay can come and grab somebody, basically." And Tom was fool enough to volunteer in. So, thank you for stepping up to the plate. More than happy to. More than happy to. In other words, Tom was the last one out of the room when everyone else ran. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that, yeah. So, what have I... I've been... I've also actually been out enjoying the sun. I'm, I've been on my bike. Um, I kind of managed to break my bike, unfortunately. My I was busy cycling away, and then my gears decided that they were going to snap, and my gear, my one gear cable turned into two of them. Ooh, not good. So how fast was... were you going at the time? <sighs> I wasn't going that fast because I was going up a hill. Well, that's the worst time so... to go is uphill. Well, I was changing down. 
I was changing down the gear and it went snap. I'm just like, nope. So that that was fun. I need to see about getting that fixed at some point because I need my bike. And yeah, like like Kurgle, I've been doing some pew pew with Kurgle and Toxic in in game, and I've also been playing some GTA again. So I was playing some GTA with definitely with Toxic. I don't think you didn't come in, did you, Kurgle? Even though you said you were thinking of it. Yeah, I realised that I really did need to get some homework done. I promise in three weeks when I've finished my term, I'll come and kill you know, <laughs> everyone and, with yeah. you. Yeah. You need to come and kill learn the way of the sticky bombs. Yeah, toxic. I'm an equal opportunities murderer. I'll just kill anything in front of me. It's fine. Fair enough. That's what I was doing last night when I accidentally went off and killed the person I was meant to be protecting. I killed the police as well, so that's okay. So let's dive in. Have I, I've not missed anybody, have I? Me? Oh god, yes. Yeah, I'm. I'm that. I'm not used to you being around, Jarvis. Me, me neither. <laughs> me neither. And that, that's not a dig. It's just like a yay, Jarvis is here kind of thing. <laughs> I've climbed out from under my rock for a, a very brief period of time. <laughs> I try and get my years worth of sunlight, and then you know just go back. <laughs> go back under there. What you been up to, buddy? What have I been up to? I don't know. Um... I've obviously been working on uh, stuff for the Lave Revolution launch and trying to get a Lave Revolution finished. I've got some actors coming in to finish off the stuff that never got finished before and to replace all the stuff that needs replacing. And yeah, I've not been on the computer very much. I've been playing a lot of board games. And I think I could provide you some sort of cool sort of, you know, update on which board games I'm playing. But I've not been playing anything science fiction-y, weirdly. So I sort of feel like it's a bit off topic. But I have been playing some very cool games. And so yeah, just that really, just working on just working on Lave Revolution. I have brought with me tonight a clip of the the opening of Lave Revolution. So I've been talking about this for a while, and some people, you know, some people have been listening to the show long enough that they remember us talking about Lave Revolution the last time. And they don't need to necessarily know this, but I've got there is a clip we can play. Yeah, that's basically what I've been doing. What else would you like to know? I want what you've been up to with uh, with oh Animal Crossing. Ah, Animal Crossing, yeah. Um, nothing really. I mean, I, I, I kind of did that because it got commissioned mm. uh, by somebody. And then, yeah, basically they haven't sort of commissioned it again. Not because they didn't like it. They did like it very much. Um, but I don't think it necessarily got the, the traffic that perhaps YouTube channels are looking for. Yeah, I was I talking, talking about things maybe not being... Dropped. I guess you guys have all heard the news about the expanse. No, that's another uh, casualty of series cuts. Is it? Sounds like it. Yeah. So the expanse has not been picked up by Sci-Fi for season four. Although the company who makes it, Alcon, are shipping it out to anyone who will. They're coming, saying, "We make a great TV show. Please buy us." And hopefully that will happen. But we yeah, will. yeah, I'd be surprised Spot if Netflix we'll pick it up. It's got some ridiculous rating on Rotten Tomatoes, isn't it? Like it's about one of the only things that's about one hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So nothing's one hundred percent. Right, I think regarding the development news, we will skip the focus feed feedback stuff until the main topic. So we'll dive straight into Frontier ending their special day, which. I'm a bit surprised by that, to be honest. To be fair, I don't really. Is this the Frontier special? They put your date in the website and they give you something on that day, like a. Basically, yeah. Basically, I've never it's got like one put of your those, date. And they've had you... my special day for ages, and they've, it's, they've I've never had it. Every year. Yeah. 
Basically, all you get is, I think it's 10% or 20% off um, a store product. So it's not like a, congratulations, have a cake decal or something like that. I kind of don't mind them finishing it, because they finish it after my birthday. But they finish it, it after my birthday, too. It'd be a bit sucky if they finished it, like, the day before your birthday, wouldn't it? Yeah, you've got to have a cut-off date, don't you? And, and you were really looking forward to that red and green paint job for your Type 6. So what, and then finishes. So what you're saying is everyone should go and change their special date to, like, tomorrow. That would be quite funny. <laughs> yeah, give them a, give them a week. Yeah, the the reason I just seen into chat. The reason they said is they is because they can't do the same for console. So, in the interest of equality, then they're stopping it for everyone. That's an interesting point, isn't it? I just, I, I it's an interesting point, but I think you know we know, for example, that Frontier can give a decal to everybody, whether they're on console or PC. So fine, okay, you don't give them. 20% off on a special day, you go off and say, here, have a cake decal instead. Yeah, so that, that's gone the way of the Dodo, which, it's not really a big deal. It was like, you know, as I said, a couple of, 10% off or something like that, but still. Uh, so this Thursday, we have Steve Kirby joining Will to talk about the new community goal thing that's coming up. Just to clarify, it's not about a new way of doing community goals. It's a new way of submitting content community goals. Yeah, so it's like, you know, what, what was the old way? Is basically there was a post you made in the forum, wasn't it? I believe so, yeah. And now there, are, now there will be a new way. Right, let's miss the focused feedback stuff and come to that later. So the in-game events, we've got the Eagle Eye, managed to get both the networks. So it's a shame Colin's not around today. Colin's had to bow out, unfortunately, because I know he's doing his anti-Thargoid stuff. Is anybody else doing anti-Thargoid operations? I was doing a little bit the other day. Jonah, have you... So were you taking part in the operation... Is it, no, Operation Ida's the repairing stuff. I was shooting a few Thargoids in, uh, in so, F- uh, one of the recent... There's Dalfour and LTT Dalfour was the one, yeah, I was there. Yeah. So they've... Both places have managed to be rescued this week, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And nowhere else has been... Sorry. So, no damage station, and... Dalfour has been identified that Thargoider attacks are in progress at the moment, apparently. Yeah, there's quite a few um, non-human signal sources all over the place. Lots of marauders, lots of uh, interceptors. Uh, are, these, are the Thargoids still making a beeline for Sol? I think that's the closest they've got so far. It's one of the closest, at least, but it's, it's on that path towards Sol. Yeah. I mean, how do you feel, actually, because you're taking part in this, that's great, but do you feel that the sense of urgency is actually there, or...? I think the the sense of urgency has been lost slightly because Cannon's doing such a hell of a good job actually combating them. That's why it might seem to some people like it's not actually as big a deal as as it looks, but if you look at the numbers and the amount of work that all of their people are putting into actually combat Thargoids, you realise how, on what, such a... how grander scale the uh, the actual resistance is so i mean it's it's definitely it's definitely there but probably not to the to the layman yeah, see, I, see i feel so I, I feel that if they wanted to engage the players sol is the wrong target hmm. i think they should be going either for uh the leon u systems or shinrata if you wanted to get players saying oh my god we've got to stop this 
stop the Thargoids attacking Shinrata or one of the Leon U systems. Yeah. Uh, Earth is kind of like the- that. Well, Earth is a tourist resort, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, but who cares about it anyway? Exactly. <laughs> but, I mean, I was, I would like to see, you know, like, oh, from you know, your galaxy needs you posters up everywhere, and you know, stomp out that bug menace, and I'm doing my part, all that kind of. You'd be like in Starship Troopers. Yeah, I think from from my perspective, I think one of the the key things is that, that everyone's sort of spread out all over the galaxy. You have people in Empire space and. Federal space and alliance space. The, a lot of my alliance friends have been like, "Well, the only time I'll do anything about it is when they start attacking alliance space." So I think that's something that maybe they need to look at doing, making the attacks a bit more widespread than just this very direct, this very focused path that they're currently doing to engage more players in it. I mean, if I was aiming for a system, I'd be uh, okay. Right, live station, boom. Yeah. Well, a lot of alliance people will come to the aid, <laughs> come to your aid yeah. right there. Yeah, that's true. But I, it just—it doesn't feel like the urgency is in the game for me yet. It's—it's it's like, okay, fine. Yeah, we know the Thargoids are coming. Whatever. Uh, and I would like to feel afraid by them and feel scared and feel the need to actually get my ass over there and do something as well. I suppose. Well, once two stations at a week isn't a, when there's so many stations removes that urgency. I think. Hmm. Possibly, yeah. So, you know, the other side of that, obviously, is the Operation Ida stuff. And Operation Ida managed to have managed to fix uh, Borrego's vision, and they're presently trying to target the... Apparently, it's, very, it's a pretty-looking station, Titan's Daughter in Tegeta. So, nobody's doing anything with that in the team, are they? Me? I'm not, I'm, I'm not involved in Ida, no. Yeah. Alright, so we will do the newsletter very quickly then, I think. So we've got Squadron Focus Feedback, which we'll cover later. We've got the Fusion Paint Packs for the Anaconda. So has anybody gone up and picked that up? Well, when I first saw them, I thought that was the Pulse ones come back. No, apparently it's the Fusion one, isn't it? Yeah, they are, but if you look at them at first glance, oh, they're the Pulse ones back. Okay, okay, but no, they're, they're, they're shiny and they are. They are shiny, and it's the kind of thing I think if I had that, if I were flying an anaconda these days, I would certainly seriously consider it. Well, one thing which I do know about is that Commander Dragonfire, otherwise known as Chelsea McRae, did an awesome photo of an asp in the snow in front of a lake or something like that, and it looks absolutely amazing. Now, I've seen some of their other work before as well. Uh, I think they did a picture of a Thargoid and various other things too. Uh, I saw I that. It was, it was really cool. What I wanted them to do is put, like, an attack walker in the background. <laughs> yes. Yes, go off and, go off and put an attack in the background. That would be, that would be appropriate. I like that idea. And, yeah, his, his paintings are amazing. I just wish I could kind of do stuff like that myself. We're going through this far too quickly today, aren't we? I suspect the middle bit will go on quite a while. I suspect it probably will. Right, well, Toxic, should we, should we get some adverts coming in very quickly before we jump into the main stuff? Oh, boy, space is cold in here. That commander has a cheek sitting up in his cosy and warm cockpit while we haul radioactives around his cargo bay. Oh, is it cold? I haven't noticed. Oh, that's right. Why, you're not even shivering. Maybe it's because I picked up this North Coast cargo bay sweater. It keeps me warm and stylish. Say, that is a nice jumper. 
It's made from the finest Verex wool and handcrafted by novitiates in the underground monasteries of Van Manen's Star. Wow. Where can I get one? New North Coast Cargo Bay sweaters. Be the envy of your friends. Wow, every lady from here to the Empire. Be warm and toasty, even on the tenth planet of a dying star. Now on sale at Spark and Mensa. Better now? Better? Why, I feel so warm, I'll probably never catch man flu again. Spark and Mensa. Because nothing says sexy like a neck-high jumper. Is your life like this? It could be like this. Astrogator Tours, put some excitement back in your life. Book an adventure in the Lave Business Park. Now. <laughs> Lave Radio, transmitting to every corner of the galaxy. Right, well, we'll jump into the main topics, which is the focus feedback thing. So I think, should we start out with the official one, the the Squadron's live stream stuff? So we had a live stream with Adam Burke-Waitick, I believe it was. Yep. Yep. And that was last Thursday. So which of you, who's, who's seen that? Uh, I've seen it, but I, I'll give other people the chance to talk first, I guess. Would somebody else like to say what they're wanting to think about it? Because I can't talk. Uh, I watched it. I thought, um, yeah, well, I mean, the big sticking point's the numbers, isn't it? I mean, I don't think anyone would complain about basically a guild system being put in, and it seems from their talk like that's really what they intend it to be. Bring communities together, group together, do stuff as group activities. I just see the 250 limit being a real problem for that to be effective. Have they said anything about having alliances between different guilds or something like that? So, you know, you could have Furat Squadron A, B, C and D or something like that? They only mentioned in the live stream that they'd seen feedback from people asking about whether or not squadrons could group up or be affiliated with the group, and that's something that they were investigating, but that they hadn't made any decisions on that sort of side of it yet. And what about uh, my uh, my other major concern? Personally, I want to play with lots of people, not just one person or one group of people. Anything in that, or is that still no tough? You're only you've got to be monogamous. I think because it is not aimed, it isn't an extension of Wings Squadron, isn't so. It isn't like a way of organising large groups of players. It is just a shared chat. So there's still nothing stopping you from being in a squadron. And then going and doing activity in a wing with your friends like you would have before that aren't in your squadron. So I don't, I don't really know if it takes anything away from that, other than you can only have a group chat with one group of 250 people. I mean, most people, most big groups of players basically use Discord for that functionality these days, and I just don't see that going away. That's the only thing that's going to happen is people will still rely on third-party products to maintain their private group structures because the in-game tools won't actually facilitate them to do it for all of their members. 
And if I can add on that, it's and it's that's evident because they introduced the commodities and the uh, the new trading tools in game. But EDDB and all the other tools, the party tools are still massively in use. They don't detract from those tools at all. Which raises a sad kind of question: What's the point of it? Fleet carriers. But that's all. Yeah, I'm I mean, talking about with that yet. That, that's the sad sort of thing, though, isn't it? Is with the scope that they've given, it just seems like it's extra wrapping around what is going to be a delivery mechanism for fleet carriers. That's the interesting bit of the proposal, because no one's going to be happy with a small group like that as the core in-game support mechanism for it. Something I don't get is they are talking about all these limitations, like 250 people per, per squadron, only three different ranks um etc but I mean, something like I, discord discord is free to use and it does all of that and more and it's like why can't you you're a, you're a major i understand that game de- game development is difficult but it's like can you not just add more in there that like 250 seems like a really low number for what it is you're trying to do shan what are you wanting to try and say um, yeah, I just want to echo really with just briefly what's been said is I've been struggling and trying to get my head around what is it that these squadrons will offer other than communicating on, on Discord. And uh, there's a little bit of snippets of information about carriers. And really for a carrier to offer more than the space station, sorry, a carrier has to offer more than the space station. Otherwise, there's no point in them being there. Because, uh, you know, let's face it, let's say a carrier costs 10 billion credits, to pluck a number out of the air. That is 1,000 um, ship transfers for an anaconda. So, you know, why, why even have them? And, uh, and secondly, there's been a lot of debate about, oh, well, what about the uh, carriers of group content? And, you know, you need a certain number of players and stuff to do them. Well, I've got some fundamental issues with that not be- not just because hey i want a carrier and share everyone you know i've got a carrier but if you think about the game there's quite a few people with with more money than they know what to do with um so to give them an aspirational goal to buy a carrier keeps them playing the game if you've got i don't know five million credits and a carrier is seven or ten then you think, okay, great, I can work towards that goal and get a carrier. So it becomes something to spend the money on. Um, so, so that's one thing. The other thing is um, if you set a minimum number of players to require one, all that will happen is I'll go, hey, guys, come and join my squadron for five minutes. I'll buy a carrier. Then you can go off and do your own thing. So which kind of makes the limit kind of pointless. Um, um, then one of the other things they said is that you may need a certain number of people to operate the carrier. So let's say there's, I don't know, there's, there's six of us on the show tonight. And let's say they need six of us to um, to operate the carrier. So I go, okay, Ben, um, go where I want to go, otherwise I'm leaving. And your nice expensive carrier is then stranded. So you're at the mercy of other players leaving and threatening to uh, do your carrier. <laughs> And the other key point is, if you're starting a new a new squadron, a new clan, then you are at a distinct disadvantage because even if you've got the money, even if you've got the whatever it is to get a carrier, you're at a disadvantage with getting new members because who's going to want to join a squadron 
and put all the effort into getting a carrier when there's one just oh. advertising who's got one. So, it's- Shan, let's be like Frontier and separate out guilds from carriers. So, what is the benefit or what's the point of just a guild? Forget about the carrier because the carrier is a separate thing. Why, why bother with the guild? It's just a glorified chat channel, surely. There was one feature they discussed on their live stream that I thought has it looked interesting and has a lot of potential for people to actually give feedback and maybe get some ideas into the game. When they were talking about like the tags that you can put into the game, they want feedback on like the tags you can use to classify how your um, like squadron is listed. But they also said in your like in ship panel there would be a feed of information relating to things that your squadron have done in the game or maybe activities you're pledged to or whatever and they wanted ideas for stuff to go into that feed in game and that is something i think is not really been explored too much in all the debates on the forum that i've seen but has a lot of room for player input in getting something that they want into that interface didn't they say it wouldn't the chat wouldn't be persistent though I'm not talking about the chat. This is separate of, like, the guild chat. You have a squadron, like, uh, where your, like, message of the day... Yeah, the feed, that's it. Where your message of the day goes, and they wanted ideas for... So, like, maybe when someone in your squadron gets one of the elite rankings, maybe that would go into that log. Um, Or uh, they want want you to tell them what you want to go into that squadron log um, that will get broadcast to all these players in it. I think that's something that, you know, people can actually get good ideas into the game. There's very little you can do wrong there, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, I do. I think I definitely like the idea of the tags. I like the idea of the feed, although I could see that being quite spammy, potentially. But I just... Well, it'd be nice if you could make Galnet read you your feed, for example. Yeah, that'd be, yeah, great. That'd be nice. That'd, that'd be good. But I just... I'm... Unless... Unless we start getting some kind of group content, which Frontier have said repeatedly they don't really want to do, even though we now have wing missions, I, I, I'm failing at seeing the benefits, and that worries me so much. The thing is, what they've, what they've given already is so bare-bones, it's so simplistic, it's not really... Uh, it's not really what I see any kind of guild squadron uh, wing system ever being. Uh, it, it, what it should ever be. It's just like here we're going to tack on a few extra um, functionalities. What they really need to do is is have, have more kind of activity based things within the squadron system. So like have leaders posting daily missions or daily activities or, or something like that and have that as like a persistent message, like a message board. They need to have more functionality in terms of the communication rather than what they've just already shown us. Well, one of the things they did say would be great. Yeah, one of the things they did say was that you would need to uh, fill the carrier up with grindonium or whatever it's going to be called uh, to get its jump. Uh, so the, the carrier will need refueling to jump anywhere. Um, which I guess could be a group activity. Um, but again, I, I query that because I could say to, uh, I could put in Discord, hey everyone, we're going to do the CG in Lave this week, um, be there on Thursday. And everyone can then make their own way there without needing to do <coughs> any carrier stuff at all. Well, let's face it, we gave people about four hours notice and there's a bunch of folks at this planet out 300 light years away as well. So it's and not. 
that hard really jumping around, is it? Yeah, no, that's what I was thinking. If you have to refill the carry with grindonium or whatever it's going to be used, then mm. why would you spend your precious time filling a carrier up when you could have taken your ship out there and brought it back and given yourself options of where to go? I, I don't know. I'm struggling to find a use for them. When they first announced them, I thought there's going to be some content. There's going to be take your carrier into a Thargoid war zone or something like that and use it as a base and special kind of stuff you would do with it rather than it just being a portable uh, Uber. Mm. Hopefully they'll give more information. I'm kind of, I've, I've got a list, I've got a list of stuff that I'd, you know, I, I'd like to see answered about it, but they haven't really gone into carriers, so we may well be missing something. Yeah, I really do hope that we're not seeing the 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 key takeaway or something like that with this, because otherwise it just seems kind of why. Full version of it. Yeah, and hopefully there will be a good reason for this. But we will see that, I guess, later on, won't we? Hopefully, when there's more things. Yeah. Right, so we also... Were they talking about anything about the carriers, or were they just kind of skipping over them? They did do a very brief synopsis of what they sort of envisaged with carriers, but but it was very detail-like. Okay, so there wasn't a lot in that, was there, unfortunately? Because I know some commanders obviously have given quite a lot of speculation into what they think the carriers should do, um, but... Obviously, we've seen nothing really from Frontier, unfortunately. Yeah, they said there was going to be a future-focused feedback on it, wasn't there? So I'm hopeful that that will cover... Like, Maybe they'll have made some concrete decisions about squadrons then for the second round of focused feedback on it with fleet carriers. Do you think we're going to get that before the next focused feedback as part of... As uh, I part thought of the else, in, or do you think it's going to be as no. a separate one later? In their first post about like their schedule for focus feedback, they talked about the first one being squadrons with a follow-up on fleet carriers shortly thereafter. So I was thinking it was coming in this set of focus feedback. Maybe I'm mistaken there. If I may, I, I think uh, we're not going to hear about it for a while. From what Adam said on the, uh, on the live stream, he said uh, fleet carriers will require a certain resource, and he was very ambiguous and very kind of suspicious in the way that he said that. Um, a certain resource. So I think there's going to be something along the lines of the narrative of the Thargoids and the Guardians, and there's going to be some specific, relatable resource to them that they're going to talk about. So it leads me to believe that they're going to leave it to a later date for them to reveal that that narrative. The other thing I've thought about, about um, the limitation of having a single squadron, is lots of people will be joining distant worlds um, at the end of the year, just when the carriers and stuff are coming out. And wouldn't it have been nice to be able to land at the Distant Worlds carrier for repair, refuel, caching, whatever it is? And if you are only in one squadron, you will not be able to land at the Distant Worlds carrier. Wouldn't landing on the Distant Worlds carrier kind of be cheating? I don't know. Maybe it, would, I, maybe it wouldn't, but it'd be nice to have the option, to me it wouldn't would, it? To me it would be. Well, it, it depends, doesn't it? Do you have to farm, like, a community goal's worth of this resource for every hyperspace jump it does, and it can only go ten light years at a time? Then I think, fair play, you've done it. <laughs> yeah, farm grindonium. Yeah. Indeed. Right, was there anything else we're wanting to talk about on wings and squads and stuff like that? Because I, I, I know... think we'll have to wait and see, I think, with that one. Yeah. 
I mean, I know one thing that we know is definitely not going to happen is we're not getting any improvements to the to the instancing system and everything like that. You know, it's still going to be exactly the same. We're still going to have interesting differences between SRVs and fighters and things like that. So there's nothing changing there, unfortunately. Which that's the kind of thing that I was really hoping that we would see being changed as part of the Beyond season of fixes to to the core game mechanics. Yeah, me too. And it's not too late for that kind of thing to be addressed, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be, and doing it as part of the Squadrons thing would be an ideal time for that, I'd have thought. What do I know, eh? (laughs) What do I know? (laughs) Right. How's that soapbox looking, Shan? I'm just waiting for the people to go, so I can go in. Jarvis isn't wanting to go in. Apparently, he he's lost his moment. And toxic. Well, no, that's no, right. You were talking about the carriers, and they were sort of talking, you know, the function they play in. It. Mm-hmm. And I was just going to play devil's advocate. No, do it. Cool. I- Is it not just a cool idea to have a ship that your friends can all kind of land on? But it kind of gets to the thing about you know um, the whole multi-crew thing that actually. If you're not flying the ship, you know what are you actually doing <laughs> in Italy in a, in a game which is primarily about flying ships? Mm. You know, what, what are you doing when you're not flying? Uh, and I think that is the question lots of people are asking because, in a way, the squadron system seems to be tacked onto a game that hasn't been designed for a squadron system. If you see what I mean, if you, if you look at an MMO, it's it's designed around guilds. It's de- designed around this kind of structure this is kind of being tacked on three years after the event and so it may be why we're struggling to see a point to it because everything else has evolved around the gap and we're struggling to see where this new cut this new feature can fit in mm. i think they haven't released the majority of their details yet though i think that's what the, the big contention is yeah, but it would have been useful to know the principle of design before they ask us to comment on it, because otherwise yeah. you're just guessing. I think what what the it seems to me like they just wanted ideas for tags. That's what that entire thing seems like to me. They just wanted ideas for what tags they should insert onto the squadrons and other little nitbits like that. I've got your tags for you right here, mate. <laughs> well, I think it's time. Shall, shall we let Shan go on about the recent changes regarding power play mechanics, the emerg- the emergency one that Sandy went off and posted. I'm actually interested to hear what people think because what I I've been doing some research and I've got a, a list of statements that I want to read out and ask right. a question with dates and stuff. So I want to hear what other people think and think before I, I delve into my research. Okay, well in that case then this is the whole point where we asked for Tom to come along, so Tom you're up. Uh, they're all great. <laughs> Everything on there is brilliant. I mean, I've got I've got things that I I I'm not happy about in certain aspects that I'd I'd want to see like some them flesh out some ideas first before they. But but it's it's so in the right direction and everything that power players have been asking for for a very long time. I mean, the elephant in the room, I think, is the open only. Bit. Yeah. So, what's your thought on that? I'm one of the the rare power players that. Um, that disagree with open only in its current state. I don't think open only in in the way that uh, in in the current state of elite the balance of PvP 
and the the kind of workarounds that you can get with with open only not to mention the present set for how to play powerplay in future i think that it's it's not a good idea i think that they need to fix a number of different things that i've actually detailed in um in a couple of posts on the forums but it, that's not to say that open only is a bad idea at some at some point it's would be absolutely necessary but in the current state of elite dangerous on open i don't think it's it's a good one right now i'm going to stray away from the actual mechanics for a minute because my concern is more around the principle Mm. that are around it so i'm going to read some statements out with dates and who said them um it's completely legalish, I guess, but I just want to make sure, because people have said, people said this and people said that, so I wanted to go back and look at the source. So on the 29th of January 2015, uh, there was a question asked, will at any time solar and private group play be separated into a different universe or database from open play? It's kind of cheap that you can be safe from many things in solo, like player blockades and so on, and still affect the same universe. To which Michael Brooks said, no. Okay. Then on the 17th of July, 2015, uh, when talking about power play, uh, Zach was asked, according to some members of the community, solo players should have limited or no effect on power play. Alternatively, playing an open should offer power play bonuses. Uh, is this something you are considering? No. For us, solo, groups, and open are all valid and equal ways of playing the game. Now, on page 8 of the 2017 annual report, which isn't just something to tell the players, you know, what's going on. This is to shareholders. Uh, Frontier put in, we believe each product in the franchise offered great value and our further in-game monetization avoids pay-to-win mechanics. And then on page 10 of the same report, uh, talk about Planet Coaster, but also refers to Elite. As with Elite Dangerous, this follows an in-game monetization model that avoids pay-to-win mechanics. So my question is, which one of those statements are they going to break by having it open only? Well, Assuming it does go open only, it's breaking what Mike Brooks said, obviously. Well, he said only that they, were going to, um, they weren't going to split into multiple modes, didn't they? Which they're not really. They're just putting it into one mode now. But if you, look at what, if you look at what Zach said was specifically about um, solar play, so limited or no effect on power play, or alternatively yeah. playing. Um, Zach said, no, for us, solo groups and open are all valid and equal ways to play the game. Yeah. Yeah. Now, admittedly, that was, that was a few years ago. So, but I also talked specifically about the pay-to-win aspect because I know we jokingly talked about console owners earlier. But if you have... Um, that was before the show. It never happened. Okay. <laughs> um, but if you look at console owners, they have to pay to get access to um, open and private group in their... Yeah. In their things so because of the power play modules and also because of the benefits which power play gives you like the leon u times two exploration data the um ald's bounty bonus and stuff like that that is distinct advantages for paying uh, a, a a fee now yes microsoft may you know determine they have to do it but it's still frontier's choice to make it open only so for me that is paid to win because you are paying real money to get in-game advantages from people who are not. And that seems to contradict what they said in their annual report. To be I... fair, the only okay, advantage you first, they get 
is the fact that they can play online. Unfortunately, yes, they do have to pay this fee that unfortunately Microsoft and show me. Um, <laughs> Slick. Um, but it's not Frontier that turned around to Xbox and said, well, you've got to do this because it's pay to win. It's yeah, Microsoft it's turning Frontier. around and saying, well, you've got to pay to access our servers. Frontier have got nothing to do with that. Frontier yeah, could turn Frontier around to Microsoft paid. and say, you've got to charge £100 a week. They could ch- say you could charge £100 a year. They could say £100 a lifetime. They could but Microsoft do, but is still going to turn around and say, yeah, 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 but they're using our servers. It's our services. Yeah, but they, it's still Frontier's choice to make it open only. Are you, talk- are you talking about the modules? Are you talking about not being able to get modules now? Uh, I'm also talking about the um, the bonuses as well. Because the bonuses, it's not like you can't get the bonuses, what the bonuses give you through mo- means it, it just gives you an edge. It makes things go quicker. It's not like it actually gives you an edge over other people if you put in, if without them able to like get that edge back over you. It's not, that's, I mean, the modules maybe, I, I mean, even then I'm skeptical, but. But it's still offering an advantage, isn't it? That, and, and that's my point. It's, it's, it's to be honest. If they if they if they just had power play as a PvP as a kind of like they stripped the modules out, they got rid of the the bonuses so anyone could get them um, through other means. If it was just a way for people to kill each other under a different flag and have the territory control stuff, it, you know, I'd, I'd kind of whinge a bit, but it's not really. Either here or here or there for me, to be honest. But if you do that, you kind of gut the point of power play. It's so, not really pay to win though. It's just pay to get an get expert get expedited to an, an end goal. Like the, you still have the same end game for everyone. How is that different from a mobile game paying extra to get a gold jewel or whatever they're called? Just but then you could say that. the same for like- a mobile game because you've got to pay your Wi-Fi or your data or your wife, whoever's providing the internet for you to play a <laughs> mobile game online, dot, dot, dot. It's not the same thing, actually. What I'm talking about directly is, um, and also they, they've taken away the special day because they want equality for console players. So how is making them pay for this content? Equality with concert with PC players. I see it as pay to compete. I don't see it as pay to win. If they like, it's a multiplayer game, and then if they want to play the multiplayer, then they they pay a subscription fee to Microsoft, and they do that for all of their games. All those other games aren't pay to win, are they? Oh, end of the day, if you're wanting to compete in power play and to do the power play stuff, it's really kind of pointless if you're doing power play just, isn't it? You know, the very fact that you're wanting to engage in power play to me would be implying that I'm wanting to play with other people. Which would mean I have to play online. And besides, those bonuses are really bad. I mean, uh, there are much better ways of making money or getting things in this game than, than the bonuses from powers, I can assure you of that. They might be really bad, but they're still an advantage. For me, for me, it's not about the mechanics, it's about the principle. That's yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah. On. Yeah, I, d- I understand that from a very strict take on what they have said, yes, it is technically pay to win. I just... It's, but it, so it's, it's maybe it's a slippery slope thing. I don't know, but you know, I don't see it as a as a deal breaker at all. I think most people who are playing Elite on consoles probably do have the subscription, so they can go and get online play with other things. 
And frankly, if console players wanted not to have to pay to actually have access to what is has been it's been decreed almost a human right, hasn't it? Yeah. You know, that's <coughs> maybe give some players a way of earning merits but not contributing to the power play, maybe. That's that's probably a solution to that. But cons- console players should have said back in two thousand and what, two thousand seven, eight, whenever it was that the Xbox three sixty came around with their the Xbox Live account and things that console players should have said no what the hell are you playing at microsoft we do not accept this and you can take your idea of trying to make us pay to play with our friends mm-hmm. and swivel on it but the console players all were okay with that and now sony have bought into it as well so you know that's that's a bed that consoles have made and they just kind of have to accept it i think unfortunately I mean, I the, other, the, the other people, sorry, I think it does affect, uh, as well as bounty hunters, are explorers. Because you can go, if you think about it, if your merits and your ever vanish as soon as you go into solo or private group, that means you can go for a couple of years explore, exploring, or a year exploring. You then have to survive in open before you can get your Leon U times two money. Uh, and for me, that just seems to be a, a bit of a kick for explorers, really, because to expect them to survive in open, you, you just kind of like hide away in a system no one ever heard of for four weeks, wouldn't you? Uh, do, do you see what I mean? It, I don't know. It, it's really, it's really dodgy. Just what I'm thinking. There, about. Well, this is why they put the focus group out. So little issues that no one else would think of, because I certainly don't think of that, can be discussed and put forward. I think certainly a way of earning merits without having to go into open but not actually contributing to to a for, uh, to the power play to the power play system is definitely the way forward on that i mean for certain people i mean i'll give credit to sandro and frontier is they were open and willing to take a risk on putting out such a crazy idea to everyone beforehand so give them props mm. you know for actually suggesting it and having the guts to kind of suggest something so radical and you know props to them i don't know it's i think it sets a a, a precedent i know sandro said uh, in a forum thing don't worry it's just power play only but my little cynical brain said well back in um 2015 they said they weren't going to do any difference between this and this and this so what if something else means it's more advantageous to do it this time you know if you do it once why can't you do it again Kurgle, what are you wanting to say, mate? Yeah, I think that although I think it's a good idea, my ignorance of power play, you said earlier that you liked all of their posts. If they just put all of the other changes in and left power play in all of the modes, is that still a, a giant improvement to power play? It's still, or a, it's is still a huge, huge improvement. I, so I can't emphasise enough how big an yeah, improvement it is. So that's my real question is, this proposal isn't weighed on the value of, well, if they don't go for this open thing, then the whole thing's pointless. It does seem like the rest of it actually genuinely has legs and are improvements that should be made, regardless of the open question. Yeah. And, and the thing, everyone's pushing for open only because we're seeing so much of a fifth column in issue in every single power, and they want to be able to prevent that. They want to prevent stealth snipes and things like that, which is, which is a whole other story, but a lot of these a lot of these changes do address the 
vast majority of these these issues a, a huge number of these issues there are some that might need some more looking at but it's um it's you know open only isn't the be all and end all of fixing power play i can guarantee that okay could you give us some examples for the people who aren't really into power play because you, you went through and you've you out some, some detail about the proposal so could you sort of give us an example of how the proposal would make things better for people just to think uh, so this vote to withdraw from the system is is huge it gives people an an, an out so um we see a lot of fifth column in of players or in the alliances uh, case bots um pushing systems that are hugely unprofitable um that have a huge deficit to their their currency income and if we take it that's it we can't do anything about it we've lost all of our all of our money going in uh, from from that system this gives us an out and it, it kind of adds hope to the to the game that we can actually at some point later on uh, shed a system through voting it's still exploitable because uh, it's a vote and any kind of voting system is exploitable by fifth economists but it's still it's still uh, a massive it's, it's a step in the right direction and something that power players have been asking for for a while things like profitability modifiers I'm just going kind of going through the list but that's something that, that was suggested recently where we have a certain modifier on the amount of effort we have to put into systems to actually take them over. If they're a lower profit, then we have to put more effort into it. Or if it's a higher, uh, if it's a higher profit, it's, it's a minimal amount of effort in comparison so that it kind of has, and as Sandra says, it's, it's preventing saboteurs from doing their job. And it's allowing people that actually have the best interests of interests over power at heart to to do their job more effectively. Those are like two two examples that I can go on for ages about how all of these are, are great additions. So, do you feel the open issue has kind of swamped everything in a way? Not really, because there's not really much more to discuss on the rest of them. There's a few things that I'd like Sandra to to kind of confirm and and go back over with some of these. Um, what was the ones that I wasn't? Like, like for instance, those those vote anything where it involves votes, it's easily exploitable. That's something I'd like them to look into, like the vote amount. But no, in in its current form, it's great. It's it's something that they should try and look at starting to implement. Maybe do a beta, make sure that we're all happy um, with it. Oh, there was a, there was another one, so that the there would be a modifier that increases the upkeep of a system, um, depending on its distance. And with someone like Mohan, who is very widely spread out that could completely screw us so we'd need to look at like what modifier amount that is but sorry so so not to get too detracted it all of that is great the open only is the only thing really that is in contention with a lot of people the rest of that they can just go through with straight away and we don't really need to discuss it too much i know the power play leaders do have some that they want to discuss but it's not exactly getting swamped or, or saturated the conversation isn't getting saturated by by the open only discussion just th- jumping into the open only thing so this is something i read from a discord channel where they're saying i don't give a monkeys about open bgs if we can pew pew power play nerds all day sandra is going to throw us meaning pirate groups and player killers a bone this is that bone I think two things are going on with Sandra's suggestion. This is is a solution to curb unwanted PvP, and this is a great way to get folks to band together. The ratchet and ratchet the heck out of the prices of carriers. It's a double-shot frag to the face of solo players, and I love every second of it. 
And do you think that's a fair comment for the saltier members of our community as well? I get where they're coming from with the solo thing, because we've been seeing so much of the solo players trying to undermine a lot of the hard work people have put in, and not being able to see them really affects morale quite heavily. So I completely understand that people are getting a bit upset about it and happy to see solo players screwed over by it. But I think it's all kind of jumping to uh, solutions that aren't practically helpful to the broader picture. I was just going to say one one observation really about the, the whole power play thing is that it's essentially, you know, we've been talking about it for a long time about it being a strategic layer that's kind of played on top of Elite Dangerous. Mm. And this kind of speaks to some of my kind of board gamey, uh, you know, type knowledge. Effectively what you're doing, I mean, again, I'm playing slightly devil's advocate here, but effectively if you're allowing people to contribute to power play in solo, what you've basically got is people all playing board games like their bit of the board game, but they're playing it on their own without any, without anybody there to kind of stop them. So everybody sees this kind of board that they think they're doing terribly well on, but then when you look at it overall, there's actually no kind of conflict there. And I think the problem is, one of the big criticisms that's levelled at Elite Dangerous is the grind factor. And because you can't guarantee that all the players are going to be in the same instance and that every power play action is going to necessarily be contested, that just means that you have to then up all the numbers. You have to just say, well, you know, to complete this power play, one side has to do like 10,000 of something and the other side has to do 10,000 of something. Mm. Because it's not because it's not contested, so the numbers have to be huge. So I agree with sort of cycling back. I agree with absolutely with what was said, you know, right at the beginning. That I think, I mean, I know this might sound strange coming from me because I'm not really a, a PvP kind of person, but I do think that for what power play is and what it represents, it doesn't make any sense at all to have it in in solo. But at the same time, because of the way the actual online instancing works, there isn't really much point making it open only i mean we all you know if you go online and look up tips on how to get better at pvp a lot of the escaping revolves around doing a high wake jump mm-hmm. now the high wake jump isn't some sort of clever strategy that stops a ship's computer from being able to track your destination it is a workaround that is based around the fact that once you change server instances the chances are you're not going to end up back on the same server as the person that you're you know, that you're, that you're fighting. And we all accept that as a valid strategy for PvP combat, that you can high wake and then there won't be an issue. But that's, that's not design. That's, you know, that's broken. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of the same thing with, PV, with, with power play. You'd have this thing where you'd be trying to run a mission for a particular, like, you know, faction, and somebody would be trying to intercept you doing your job, and you would jump out and jump back in, and then maybe you'd be able to do it. But that's not, that's not, not actually completing your mission in open. It's not plausible That's... for power play either. No. The thing is, to uh, sort of follow up with what um, Jarvis was saying, uh, the other thing to remember is that console players also affect power play. So, in effect, console players have their own private group. PC players can't interfere with. So, you can have your PC faction blockading the heck out of... Um, uh, a Lembeza, for example, a power play system. Um, and you can blockade them 24 by 7, and people are quite happily jumping to and fro in the, on their Xboxes and Playstations mm-hmm. doing it. So 
the idea of having open and all of a sudden makes it a fair free-for-all PvP fest is a complete fallacy because exactly. of instancing and also the, the consoles. Exactly. Yeah, it's not going to be a level playing field until there's both cross-play and equality across all the consoles as well as PC. There, there definitely needs to be, and this is something that I've detailed as well, to them, the, the balancing between the defensive and the offensive aspects of the game. And I actually had an argument, but not an argument, a discussion with someone about it in, in this server. Um, the difference between the offensive and defensive balance in this game is so overwhelmingly in favour of the offensive. And that is, if, if you have, everyone's seen a Type 9 get absolutely obliterated in less than five seconds when a group of at least two FDLs intercept it, then, then you know, there's not really much you can do there except for high wake, and even then you go for the charge-up time, and they have reverberating cascade to- torpedoes on mines, they can take you out, uh, take your shields down. No matter how defensively you've built your Type 9, it's, it's, it's not balanced enough for, for that power play kind of um, gameplay. Yeah, and as um, uh, someone has pointed out in the Twitch chat, as thanks to P2P design, uh, you can set a firewall rule on your router Exactly. That basically blocks everyone else from your from your open. So even though you're in open and you can still do your power play merits and whatever, your route is actually blocking the traffic. So mm-hmm. it's be making it solo. If if I could paint like a, a picture of what it's going to look like, what they've proposed so far is to have mer- have power commodities basically disappear if you go into solo. So what you can do is you can in the current iteration that they proposed is you go to a system in solo dock at any station go into open collect these uh, these commodities then jump out and head to your your hq so where is the blockade going to be it's going to be at everyone's hq or the pvp hubs so to speak are going to now be every powers headquarters just to kind of give everyone an idea of what that's going to look like that's going to be an absolute mess that's going to be 11 separate cg kind of systems and i i don't if everyone wants that then go for it but i don't think that's what really the developers have in mind and then there's the other fact that people can just uh, sit on the pads and stop other people getting in yeah well they they've they've acknowledged that if they've acknowledged that then they're uh, they're looking to do something about it they think what about bots and things like that because i can imagine Obviously, we had you guys on a few weeks ago singing things like that in yeah. Power Play. Now, obviously, if a bot has to play in open, then we can it's, easy to hunt and, it's easy to hunt and kill. Exactly. And, um, and that's, one of the reasons, that's one of the reasons I want it. Definitely. Okay. The bot fiddles with the router. Yeah. yeah, and that's, yeah. <laughs> they can, but they can block you as well. This is nothing. I want to know how the blocking system is going to work in-game if they do this. Like there's there's so many little things that I want them to to clarify before they or fix before they um they jump in with this, but I would love to f- catch a bot in open again. That would be so good. Just blow the crap out of them. I think everyone would like to see the power play mechanics deepened. And yes, you've been quite negative about the open stuff and skeptical. And I think that's that's right to be skeptical of that. But I think everyone wants to see it improved in some way or another. My, my personal preference, and this is, instead of excluding Solo and the private group from Powerplay, how about actually making the powers actually more dangerous? 
like the ships the powers fly are just poxy to be honest mm-hmm. you know they're, they're supposed to be superpowers so let them have proper warships that you fear um if you see one let them interdict enemy powers more frequently make them almost like the ats yeah the ats just basically beef up the the power such that it's actually a real force to contend with and how about even actually fitting their ships with the power play modules so ashling has the uh the prismatics and you have the imperial petraeus has the imperial hammers and all the stuff like that so you actually put variation and threat back into the npcs such that if you go into a power play system whether you're in private group or in open or uh, solo you're going to get a threat you're going to think oh my goodness do i really want to do this because i'm coming up against his army of well-equipped super ships or, oh sure or that sort of thing sure sure the alliance can uh, mildly cook you to death that'll be that'll be a great idea because you know our retribution laser is is well known for being a a weapon of death well, if you use it for, I'm saying, if you if you have the equivalent of the response ships, yeah, I'm yeah, saying, I, I get into just saying, I'm just being facetious, but I know yeah, it's all right. Like having an ATR kind of response for in in power systems that would be that would be great. It would need to be balanced so that people could undermine each other because that undermining is entirely built around pirating in a system, basically. But it would need to be balanced so that people could still effectively do that. But it's still it was still a great idea if. Uh, it, it, would it would solve your bot problem as well, wouldn't it? Oh hell yeah, it would. Uh, actually, not with that because they do legal things. But but it, it yeah, but they're pledged to a different power, aren't they? So the the point is, in the same way, as when you jump into a system, you're wanted. The, you have to start thinking, oh god, I hope the police don't get me. It's, no, they're they're the, the the bots in particular are uh, all Mahon pledged, so they they're doing legal activities. You. Sorry. All right, okay, yeah, I get you. Sorry. Yeah, no, they they they, so they they do legal, and they're only doing hauling. They don't do anything that would encourage any kind of ATR response. Just but wondering about the idea of the ATR sort of powered power forces. Would because obviously, even though I'm not in a power, I still see alliance and forces and so on everywhere I go, and quite frequently, frankly, they're the bad guys with bounties on their heads that I'll go off and kill in Hazreses. Mm-hmm. Should they be these souped-up fighters that you're talking about, or should these should these souped-up fighters be high-level wings that say, aha, well, that person from another power is flying around my system seek and destroy? I see I them think- as border force. Mm, they, um... But should it be only against powers, or should it be against everybody? Only powers. I mean, if it's going to be a power thing, yeah. But I think you need to be careful with when you when we're talking about souping up forces like that. There is a lot of balancing that needs to go into that. But it would be nice to see control systems kind of defend themselves rather than passively take whatever it is the pilots are chucking at them. Yeah, and I think that's a sort of approach. I think I guess it needs balancing and more thought. I, I just literally just came up with it. This evening, but I got thinking: is that the consistent thread across all the power play is people just go to to and fro with immunity, and there's no threat if you're in solo or private group. You know, there's there's no danger to doing power play. And I'm thinking, well, why would you why would you restrict two thirds of the players 
and force them into one group when you can address so many issues through variation of NPC abilities, loadouts, introducing, say, the counters to the shield meta, all that kind of stuff doesn't just benefit power play, it benefits the entire game. So rather mm. than saying, it's just open now, tough, actually do something to address multiple things at the same time. If, if, I, if I may, you were talking about a board game earlier. Uh, you, someone was saying something about a board game and, and how... Yeah, it'll be me, I'm always talking about board games. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were saying, you were, you were drawing an analogy between how on a board game you're playing with other people and, and in this it's like you're detracting, you're playing your own board game. I'd, I'd have to disagree on that. I think in a board game you are kind of passively playing your own game and you're reacting to the way other people play their game. You're not, you're not directly playing against each other. You're, to a, a certain extent you are, but that, the, basically what I'm trying to say is with power play you need to have ways of countering what people are doing through means other than just PvP. So the way to counter currently an undermining attempt is to fortify a system. But there should be a more kind of like strategy-esque kind of way of countering and undermining. Some, uh, there should be a more strategy-esque way of countering a fifth column attempt in prepping um, low-income low systems. There needs to be more yeah, of a strategy aspect in the background other than just PvP, is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, you're talking to slightly the wrong person about the board game analogy because, you know, it very much depends on what board game you're playing yeah. as to whether you're directly interacting with each other or whether you're kind of doing your own oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. points. But I think that is, you know, there is a leaf out of that design book could be taken to say, well, you know, what are the, you know, because there are games, there are games you play where you just, you are focused entirely on your own thing uh, and there's very little player interaction and it's who has the highest score at the end that, that, that wins. Or you have something like, I don't know, like if you were to look at something like an area control game, which is, you know, which is kind of what power play is, really. Mm. You're looking at those specific interactions between two players, that actually being the deciding element over which way the, you know, the control goes. So rather than having this thing of like everybody trying to achieve something, you know, maybe there's a design thing to say, well, actually, you know, if they're trying to make power play a kind of open only thing, Maybe rather than how they've been doing the power play, which, you know, the last time I looked was still kind of grinding and, you know, ferrying letters around and stuff. Which actually changed say, missions, yeah. Yeah, but actually to say, you know, maybe power play is about conflict and is about, you know, where there is an interaction between players and which way that interaction goes, who wins and who loses that engagement. Actually, then, you know, that's how the needle is measured in terms of which way it goes from one side to another. Yeah, and I don't think that's necessarily. It's difficult. I don't think that's necessarily just an, an open only thing, because I think it is something you could simulate in solo, with your interactions with you know with with NPCs. But I think again, going back to uh, again the board game analogy, because I do, you know I, we say it's, it's <laughs> about an open thing. I do also play quite a lot of solo board games. Some that are designed to be solo board games and some that are actually you know multiplayer board games that have an automated opponent and one of the things about the automated opponent is you can always kind of mess with it and it's the same with the ai in in elite dangerous now the ai AI in elite dangerous is very difficult very very hard to beat but at the end of the day it is still an ai that can be kind of fooled in Mm. ways that a human player can't so i think yeah i mean it's just a really difficult area but i do think 
I think as long as you have power play designed around this idea, the same as the community goals, that you're just racking up hundreds or thousands or millions of a thing, then it's ultimately still going to be quite a grindy thing to get involved in. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Sandra is going off and saying power play is fundamentally about consensual player versus player conflict. We think that pretty much all the systems and rules would benefit from being played out in o- open only, and it would dramatically increase the chances of meeting other, play- other pledged players and being able to directly affect the outcomes of power struggles. But to me, is this actually Frontier basically forcing PvP into Postman Pat Simulator? And <laughs> should we... You know, okay, fine, we'll keep what we've got because some people enjoy that, and that's your PvE side of power play. And then we actually get honest-to-God pew-pew-based power play combat where the princess is going off and saying, you know what? They're bastards. I want to kill them. That's what I want. You know, that's... You know, I want to... Okay, fine, you're talking about blockade running and stuff like that. It's still a Postman Pat simulator. Mm. You know, shouldn't... God, how saying... much better would Postman Pat be with PvP? <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I can just see Pat running around with an RPG. I would love to be black and white. Well. So, so would his black and white cat be a ship launch fighter? <laughs> oh, <laughs> no way. No, no, no. I can just imagine Blockade running in a Postman Pat uh, oh. mail van. Yeah, you know, that, that, isn't that basically a hauler? It, <laughs> it, in all seriousness, if they moved the PowerPlay modules out of PowerPlay, and got rid of the the benefits to being yeah. part of a power. Um, how much interest do you think there still be in power play? Because, a lot. You, so, so really, if they removed the the if you like the pay to win bits and just had the power play as a almost like a large scale CQC for a better description of it, you, you think that would be would that be okay? Do you think having it open only? So, I'm um, not sure. So, you're saying if they removed the modules and all the. Yeah, because uh... yeah, I mean, the, the, the reason why lots of people, I think, are skeptical about open only power play is because they liked the fact they could cart in the post and pack for three and a bit weeks, get the modules, and then leave in perfect safety. Do you think if they got rid of the modules and, I don't know, you put them behind, um, I don't know, reputation or material, whatever it is you choose, you have a different yeah. mechanic for getting them. Do you think power play would become less attractive? Because No, no, absolutely be- not. Because the people that run power play aren't doing it for the modules anymore. They're doing it because they've put a lot of time and effort and a lot of and a lot of emotional time and uh, a lot of emotion emotional like strength into into doing what they're they're doing and building up essentially what is their empire, what is their their baby. They're, okay, they're, cool. That's that's what power players do. No one does it for any kind of like we. Most of us in the alliance lose more money than we make out of it. So it's like we do it for ourselves, and most of us haven't actually changed powers ever to get any of the other modules either. So I mean, it's it's definitely about more than just what you can get out of it yourself as a player. So do you think this is purely me being a bit cynical here? So how much of the call from this to be open only is from people who have scared people into uh, solo and private group just wanting people to come back so they can blow them up 
in other words all the, all, all the prey has gone away and in <laughs> and they just want them to uh to come back and i'm not talking about it's... people in your group but i'm talking about in the forum and reddit and whatnot i know i know exactly what i mean and i, I think it's more complicated than that i think uh the first time i heard from about this proposal and i think it did come from them it came from uh the federal uh power play leadership um and they're doing it because they are in pretty much an active war with the empire uh winters is constantly in a, a conflict with uh um, ALD, and uh, they, from their perspective, they saw it, and I think it's either them or Grom. I think it's one of the. T- um, they constantly see people prepping and fortifying and undermining systems in solo, so that they get all of these, and they've got a huge PvP base in in Winters and Hudson, um, so they're not able to use that PvP base to counter these these undermining attacks from other powers and that's really where it's come from they they want to blow people up don't get me wrong but they want to blow them up for a reason more than just oh yeah let's, you know so i i would say it comes from a place of it comes from a place where people want it for practical reasons rather than just pew pew you know what do you think ben based on the quote that you read earlier from a discord channel how much of it is do you think due to people not having enough targets and wanting to make targets come back. I definitely think there is an element of the community that wants people to be forced to play in open, and they would probably quite happily see you know, every, everything doing anything meaningful should be in open, and that means they can you know, take everyone and do all the things and be you know, generally murder hobo everybody to the heart's content. Um, but that's that's the way that they play, and of course they want to force people not to be able to avoid them. I actually, there's a, there's a large part of me that actually thinks that certain elements, for example, competitive um, CGs, should actually be not playable in solo, should be open only as well, I think, to be honest. So that then goes against, again, the statements I read earlier. About- well, that's, yeah. But I, I think that statement about, you know, poor console players, they, they made their bed, that's their own problem. You know, that's... Yeah. They... I've got no sympathy for them. If they didn't want to be behind that paywall, they shouldn't have accepted it in the first place. Um, I think that's a bit harsh, to be honest. I think they, des- I think they deserve it. It's harsh, but fair, in my opinion. Yeah, they they accepted it, and they didn't say, Microsoft, no. So, tough. But this um, is an elite show, so, you know, we have yes. to focus on the elite. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the issue is, though, I mean, the thing, that, the thing that sells it for me, I mean, as you know, I am largely someone that doesn't really particularly like to play in open. Um, but for those same reasons, power play isn't something that really interests me. I don't, I don't necessarily understand, from my point of view, why you would want to engage in a game feature like power play, which is really about, you know, what large groups of players are doing against each other altogether and not want to do that engaging with other players. It just, it, do you see what I mean? It just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, I'm, I'm not particularly bothered about whether power play is in, is in an open, private or solo because I don't really have any intention of playing power play. And that overall meta of the game of people having control of areas just, you know, doesn't particularly interest me. Um, so I suppose this is why this is one feature of the game that I can totally see being 
you know, not something that's available to solo. And I just, yeah, I don't, I mean, I, I, t- I totally understand what, what Shan's saying about um, how, uh, you know, the fact that the reason a lot of people do power play is to get those items. And I do think that's an issue. And I, I kind of circling back, I, I probably understand better now your point about it being slightly pay to win. If, if people who are able to play in open have access to those items, and people who aren't able to play in open then don't have access to those items. But I, I just think as a game feature and as a game concept, power play is just something that I just I don't understand why you would want to play it on your own. Well, the way I see it, excuse me for jumping in, is PvP is, and the modules for it, is almost endgame type thing. So I myself, yeah, I've shot a few commanders, but I haven't exactly gone out of my way to join a PvE com- uh, PvP community, sorry. And I've got 2,200 hours in Elite Dangerous. I've yet to play with um, any of the power-specific modules, so to be flying around in open and not bothering with power play modules, do you really need them in solo? Because all they are there really for is to prove yourself against other commanders. If you can't put yourself in a situation with other commanders, for example, not paying your Xbox Live, not paying your PlayStation, whatever it is. I slightly disagree with that because I run Prismatics on my uh, trade cutter. And the reason why I run Prismatics is it allows me to run a size smaller shields than I would normally. So therefore it gives me more cargo space. But you can get by without understand. I can understand completely. But then go and look at, for example, my cutter, which does not have a shield whatsoever. You can easily get by without. I've probably got more cargo space on my clip, my cutter, than you've got on any of your ships because you've got more rebuys. And more rebuys. The difference in the two in in prismatics and regular shields in in pack counts and and seeker missiles. They're so minute, and the kind of benefits that you get are so minute that you'd only be using them if you're really trying to eke out every little bit of efficiency you can in a PvP ship. So I, I wouldn't say it's the modules are really such a huge, a huge talking point. To be honest, in my opinion, at least. But nonetheless, they're still. Yeah, it's the it is, uh, and I get your principle. Uh, I mean, I think, I think, like engineering has got to that stage where we can engineer in the galaxy. It would be nice to see some of the power play modules accessible through other means. And I don't even think power play players would care about that either. As you yeah. say, they've you've moved on from it. So stick them behind tech brokers, or stick them behind you know the Fed and Imperial rank grind. I, so there's an actual reason for doing it. That's what and, I um, tech brokers are when I first heard of them. And also the in-power advantages as well. The in-power, like the double exploration, the bounty hunting benefits, stuff like that, because that all has an impact. Yeah, I mean, it, it wouldn't actually be a bad way of putting some starter, like, board missions up, would it? You know, if you want to be a bounty hunter, do some missions for me and earn rep, and you'll get an even bigger cut as you do more. Yeah, I've got no issues with that being against a rep thing rather than a power play Absolutely. And exactly um, what Baron is. Uh, Barry Carlion? Barry. Barry Carlion. Yeah. Oh, Barry. Hey, um, Barry. He's saying that engineering probably beats out the power, power play specifics anyway. So, yeah. I, it I, doesn't I until you engineer the power play specifics. Mm, 
I don't know. I don't know. Prismatics against but, someone's engineered shields. Yeah, but you can engineer. You can engineer prismatics. Yeah, you can. Yeah. I mean, I, I still feel sadly that power play. It needs a major overhaul, not just these little tweaks that we keep getting. This you know, is. I think, this is exactly what I was I was going to say. Open only is a good idea, but they need to eke it out rather than do this big dump that they're doing right now. They mm. need to. They need to. I think everyone needs to practice caution with this entire thing. And instead of trying to, um, instead of trying to lobby FDev to just do it straight away and with no questions asked, we need to get a few of the fundamentals pinned down, and then we can look at open only. Absolutely, one hundred percent. But I, but I don't think jumping into it straight away is going to. It's going to cause more issues than itself. I did get the impression from what Sandra and what people are saying is actually it's a pretty big job to make it open only. So, you know, in terms of a technical task, I think I think it's it's a lot more complicated than if mode equals or sorry if mode doesn't equal open then delete pamphlets or whatever it is. You know, I think it's more difficult than that to do that. So. I'm, I'm kind of hoping they do change the fundamental mechanics along the lines that you've said. I, I just have a, a principle, an integrity flag that makes mm, me feel really uneasy. I, I, I completely follow you, yeah. I mean, the people on the Mobius group earlier were talking about this, and some of them for it, and some of them are against it, and a lot of the people that are against it seem to be of the opinion that even though FDev have said this won't creep out to other areas of the game like the background sim that they've already said that that nothing in the game would split like this so if they do split it into open they're worried that even though they're saying categorically now that it won't mean other bits of the game are split into open only mm. that that's what will actually happen Yes, and that's uh, and that that was that was one of the reasons why I read out the two quotes in 2015, where they both said, "No, for us solo groups and open are all valid and equal ways of playing the game." That's a definitive statement to do with power play, and I, I, I'm not saying they're deliberately being deceiving or lying or anything like that. But once you've set a precedent, it's very easy to have that precedent eroded. Anyway, Tom, you wanting to say a, a final thought on this? So, there's two things that they did in this entire that they've mentioned that are just absolutely brilliant, um, and something that might not mean much to many people, um, but I just want to point out anyway is the ethos override, um, and that basically means that previously we've been pushing a lot of factions, been pre- uh, pushing things that like benefit the, the power, power, and that could be something that doesn't really align with with power. So now we can start pushing alliance for Mahon or um, or uh, Esling de Val can push Imperials, uh, Imperial factions in BGS rather than just push like government types which are feudal or, or patronage or whatever. So that's, that's a huge, um, that's a really big and very important change that they've done. And secondly, missions. You can now do missions for power play. So that means instead of people hauling back and forth, they can actually do things that are maybe a bit more engaging um, and I think that is a, that's very under under uh, talked about at the moment um, when it actually is bringing so a lot it, of revitalisation. Has it been already, or is that a new thing that's being proposed? This is being proposed. 
Okay, where were, I didn't see that in the proposal. It's right at the bottom. It's right at the bottom before open only. It's being dwarfed by the open only discussion. <laughs> and okay. it's and I no one seems to think that it. No one seems to realise that this is going to bring so many new players into power play and actually make power play such a more interesting and dynamic game than it already is. And I think that's really something that everyone really wants to see. Yeah, I'm definitely majorly for the idea of putting missions into play and. Just get him to do something that isn't a Postman Pat simulator would be a great thing, I think. Right, well, I think we'll probably wrap it up there unless anyone's got any final, final thoughts they want to say on this. Right, I'm hoping not, so... In that case then, Jarvis, do you want to go off and tell us a little bit about this thing that you've done? Yeah, so this is uh, this is the opening, you know, because... Yeah, but I, I'm always of a view that there's no spoilers in the first five minutes of anything, you know. So I'm just, I thought rather than playing something which is potentially spoilers, uh, spoils the story, I thought, well, I'll just play the opening of the Lave Revolution forecast audio drama. Still got a little bit of tweaking still to be done on that opening, but uh, it is basically there. So this is the full cast audio adaptation of Alan Stroud's book, Lave Revolution, which is a historical elite piece which tells about how Lave went from being previously a dictatorship system to now being a, 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 a well, certainly when the game launched, <laughs> it was kind of a... Uh, uh, a free system so uh yeah that's uh, lay revolution this is the opening scene uh and this is the we are launching this at lavecon so it will be there at lavecon available to purchase you can pre-order it from my website which is www.radiotheaterworkshop.com and i don't know what else you want to know and then after you've played it i'd like to just put a bit of appeal out there for people f- just to do some stuff for lavecon uh, it's just some feedback that I'd like from people. So, uh, yeah, do it. Go ahead, play it, and then people can ask me questions. Ah, the bright flame of youth. Recaptured for a moment in reading these pages. I was young once. I like to think I retained some vestige of the man typing words into a data slate. I recall his ambition, drive, and energy as he sought recognition and status for his work. Such times. A world ago, it feels. I surmise your security clearance has been earned, like mine, through hours of diligent service to our empire. It is only through the study of history that we might avoid a future mistake. Perhaps going as far as to believe Lave an opportunity lost. Those writing reports are seldom people who stir fleets to action and bring troops to invade worlds. Lave Revolution, an official Elite Dangerous audio adventure, based on the novel by Alan Stroud, adapted and directed by Christopher Jarvis. Please keep the airlock clear at all times. Thank you. Seven. Six. Five. The Federal Run. Bastard! Wasn't this supposed to be a friendly game? Bills to pay, Devanda. That fuel scoop I lost ain't gonna find a way home. All the same. All the same. He won. You got a problem with that? This is a private room. How did you... (laughs) Trip the lock. 
In the old days, they used to let me go anywhere in the Darak system, whenever I wanted. Now, which of you owns the Cobra? I do. Good. Space! <laughs> Glad it was you. This way you get your credits back. Now, where do you hide them? What? You're robbing his corpse now, too? Gotcha! Now, if you'll forgive me, I need a DNA swap. Best hurry up and collect. We're leaving. Leaving? You just killed my friend. Yep. I don't even know who you are. I'm the man holding the gun. Yeah, so that's uh, the late first beginning of the late revolution audio drama. Uh, you heard uh, Kareem Cromfley and uh, Liam McCauley and Toby Longworth. Um, some of you may remember the, the late revolution uh, short film that Alan uh, premiered at um, LaveCon. I think, was it last year or the year before? That's a bit of a blur. But, yeah, Kareem reprised his role as Walden. And, yeah, that's it, basically. So the question I had about LaveCon, I'm, I'm just kind of putting this out there because I've done, for people who know me, you know, I, I produced Escape Velocity and I produced Lave Revolution um, and the, uh, the other official audio books. And for the last couple of years, I have run sort of drama workshops. So for those who are interested in audio drama, you know, as a form, there is a workshop I can run which basically kind of teaches you a little bit about how I do what I do uh, and, and sort of some behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, went very well first year. Last year, it wasn't... It was still really good, but it wasn't, you know, as well attended. So I was sort of thinking that I wouldn't do it this year. And then I said this to somebody, and they said, oh, no, you must do your drama workshop. Maybe people just didn't know about it last year. So really, I just want some feedback from people. You know, would they be interested in attending an audio drama workshop? Uh, at LaveCon, uh, and if so, just give us an email at uh, info at laveradio.com uh, and let us know what you think, or get us on the Twitter or the Facebook or whatever. But yeah, it'd be interesting to know if the numbers were down last year because I forgot to tell anyone about it <laughs> and just relied on a sign-up sheet. So yeah, do let me know. And yeah, we'll be doing some sort of big launch event uh, at LaveCon for Lave Revolution audio drama, and I'll be there with you know a suitcase full of USB cards and that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, that's basically, that's basically the update. So, talking about workshops, there is another workshop that's going to be going down at LaveCon, as well as Chris Jarvis's um, radio theatre workshop. Um, ben has put me up to um, doing a podcasting workshop. So, um, those of you who are getting into podcasting or fancy um, getting some tips on tricks on how behind Lave Radio works, or just come and have a chat. Or doesn't, as the case may be. Sometimes. <laughs> it usually works. But yeah, we'll be doing a, um, a talk as well. Yeah, and there is actually, there's shaping up to be quite a fair amount of good content. We're going to, we need to get Karen to come on at some point to talk about Labour Radio. That's probably going to have to be next week, to be honest, isn't it? It is, because um, the week after is... Is uh, 200. 200. 200 part, part one. one. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Shall I briefly mention the episode 200? Why not? Okay, for the people who are not aware, episode 200 is going to be split into three parts. Uh, the first part will be on the uh, 29th of May at the usual uh, live radio time. Uh, we're still finalising some guests, but uh, we've got a pretty good lineup um, penciled in so far uh, for that show. 
Um, 200 Part 2 will then be at LaveCon on the Sunday. Uh, so what we'll be doing, we'll be walking around, getting quotes, comments, interviews, etc. throughout the weekend, and then broadcasting Episode 200 Part 2 at LaveCon. And Part 3, currently in conversation with Frontier to see how what they can do and how they can help for it. So yeah, it's Part 1, 2, and 3 for Episode 200. There may be a gap between the second and the third part because Frontier are very busy with Jurassic World Evolution and stuff. So uh, that may be a couple of weeks after that. But yeah, I'm hopefully it'll uh, it'll be it'll be good for people to listen to and uh, for us to do. Right, I think we should probably dive in now into Community Corner. So there's a couple of things that we want to talk about. So first of all, some of it, unfortunately, it's a whole load can't we'll link all these things to the show notes because a lot of it won't make a lot of sense as a podcast thing but they'll all be in the show notes which will be available on laveradio.com so oh the first thing i suppose we should do is the fog world which was which we're currently on at the moment we've got a fog world which was found by thorberg shaystroke which is around about 200 light years away from sol in the heidi sector now, a wee bitty of warning, we were, we were actually there, and yes, there's atmosphere in the canyons, but when uh, Thorberg went off and found it, the planet was in eclipse, and when it's in eclipse, you can see that the atmosphere is really over absolutely everything, whereas when it's there most of the time, it's just a little bit of fog down in the, down in the, in the valleys and things like that. Uh, it's still a very pretty world. It's still nice things. There's geezers there and all that kind of stuff. And there's also, there's also, oh, the planet's being eaten by its neighbor and all that kind of stuff. So it's still a very, very pretty place. But the fog is a little bit listing and for, li- a little bit limited compared to what it looked like in the in the thread in the thread that was originally linked, which is a bit of a shame. Is it a little bit like at the moment where you go to the top of Mount Snowden and it's raining and fogging at the top? Yeah. Right, we've got Commander Nevotis has his take on ship interiors. Now, has anyone actually been able to see this? Yeah, I've seen it. This is a cool video. Uh, I mean, it's actually just one video in a whole series of videos the guy has done on YouTube. But he's taken, like the dimensions of the ships from Elite Dangerous and then done his own renders and walkthroughs of the ship laid out in how he would do like a modular procedurally generated interior for them. And actually, like the video we've got in the show notes is of a sidewinder. That's really cool to actually see how much space there is with a human-sized puppet moving through those interiors gives you a real sense of quite how big the ship is because, like, there's three floors on the Sidewinder and you can get quite a few different compartments and still have enough space for all of the ship's internals. It's really cool. Well worth a watch. Yeah, and you're welcome, Jam Trick. <laughs> the link is already in Discord and it will be on the show as well. Uh, the other thing we have, and similar kind of idea actually, is that Maximilian Yuan has done his own take on our loading screens rather than just the, the spinning schematic, which, again, that looks just, in my opinion, looks absolutely amazing. 
Yeah, it looks um, really, really cool, I agree. And he's also made it in the same format that the loading screens are in Elite Dangerous. So I wonder if, like, the menu screen, you can replace the movie for that with your own custom version. I wonder if you can just drop that in for the shipbuilding animation or if there's some more magic trickery going on there. Ooh, that would, that that would be cool. I don't think it's been a while since I used um, video format files for the spinning blueprint. Yeah, I think that's renders because a lot of the people that do the ship animations capture the models from that loading screen, don't they? So uh, maybe it's just the menus that use those animations now. Yeah. So for the spinning blueprint I've got for the beginning of this stream, believe it or not, um, I actually had to go and read YouTube for that because um, there just is no videos of it anymore. You know, look through the game files, there is nothing. Yes, I'm dirty. I look through the game files to find videos of orange ships spinning on a black background. So sue me. Right, and we've also been asked by the amazing Alec Turner, who does a fabulous... Um, oh, he does a fabulous thread about something that I can't remember. It's 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 a best of something or something. Part two! I remember that bit. <laughs> Sorry, Alec. Yes, of course, I remember your best of the forums thread. I just hadn't looked at it by then. Uh, but anyway, one of the things that Alec does big time is his buckyballing. Um, and they're doing a new race, which is Buckyball and presents Buckyball Racing Club. Sorry, presents Fallen with Style, an SRV base jumping festival, and that is from the nineteenth to the twenty seventh of May. So, is this something that any of you guys have had a shot yet? Now, reading, reading from what Alec is saying. So, back on Earth in the decades before, around the turn of the 21st century, a thing called base jumping was popular, was a popular pastime for spoiled, reckless, basically an urban underclass who dressed like and spoke like they were the poor, yet could seemingly afford to hire helicopters to drop them at the top of a mountain, or spend weeks of voluntary unemployment travelling around the globe looking for tall buildings to scale. The name base jump, base jump came from the acronym uh, building, antenna, span, earth, things that the base jumper would climb up and then, you guessed it, jump right off. Typically using a parachute or a wing chute to survive the fall, the objective was then to have a wild ride man and survive and make as cool a video about it as possible, which you'd be then share on social media. Didn't we see Ed doing something like this in Vegas yesterday? I'm sure there's a video of Ed jumping off a building somewhere. Anyway, fast forward nearly 1500, 1,500 years, and we find ourselves parked on top of a 15-kilometer-high mountain next to Smith Base in the Beta Sculpturist system, thinking, well, hey, let's do this thing. So on with the race instructions. And then there's a whole load of race instructions, basically. Um, yeah, re read the thread for that, because it's getting long and complicated. But... They're doing some base jumping, jumping 50 kilometers off of a thing to be very, very silly and sharing it because, you know, that's the kind of thing that people like to do. And, you know, jumping off stuff is always good fun, isn't it? I like jumping off things, especially in SOVs. I know you're quite partial to jumping things in SOVs too, Kurgle. Yeah, absolutely. I actually, it's something I quite fancy giving a go, but I can't take the time out right now in a few weeks if they're still doing them. I, I believe. Definitely could be a so look. What's the date? It's the 19th, so that's this Friday, through till the 27th. So you've got a couple of weeks. So this yeah, Sunday, for the next couple of weeks, basically. Yeah, I might be able to sneak a little bit in. It'd be good to give that a try. Mm -hmm. 
Right, and then we've got the appeal to fix the SPO box two five three SPOCS two five three station, and Olivia Vespera is looking for twenty five truckers looking for things. Now, has anyone read this, or does anyone know anything about this? And if not, who added it to the show notes? I think that's another Colin. Stick it in and run away. Oh, thank you very much, Colin. Well, Olivia, who I do know and love, so Olivia's awesome, is looking for things, and what have they gone off and done? Because I, I didn't see any of this, because Colin's not told me anything about it. Uh, Spox 253 was attacked by Thargoids a few weeks ago. It's in the bubble, um, so it's convenient. The system was attacked uh, 400,000 light seconds away, uh, but it's a priority. It's a low priority for IDA. Uh, however, it's Olivia Vespera's group's local neighbourhood, and they want to take responsibility for repairing it. So, basically, get in touch with Olivia Vespera on their Discord channel. We'll include links to that. And if you want, give them a help to get their station up and running again. Right, so, I think we'll now jump into... the LaveCon is coming up, and Sagittarius I have gone off and done a thing saying all this. So, do you want to take that away, Toxic? Pilots Federation members from all around the galaxy are looking forward to an upcoming event. LaveCon is an annual gathering of independent commanders that has been held since 3300, in which attendees discuss and celebrate all aspects of interstellar life. Lave Radio have been the organizers of LaveCon since its inception. The convention will take place from the 8th till the 10th of June in the Sedgebrook Hall Hotel, Northamptonshire, England, on Earth in the Soul System. This has been a Sagittarius Eye Bulletin. So yeah, um, Sag, Sag Eye has basically gone off and... Yeah, LaveCon's coming up, go to it if you want to go, because it's going to be a lot of fun and... You know, it's, I'm, starting to get, I'm starting to get really looking forward to it now, and as I'm seeing... You guys haven't seen this, so hey hey, but as I'm seeing the, the timetable fleshed out, the more excited I'm getting about it. But we'll hopefully... We've, we've got to get carried on, so... She can go off and get everyone else excited about it too, because it's looking really good now. I think it's, it's definitely fleshing out, and you guys have seen the have seen the timetable. Are we getting excited as well, or is it just me? Yeah, well, I mean, given I've been playing since beta, it's going to be my first live con, so I'm really looking forward to it. I'm trying to be excited for it. I'm definitely excited about it. Live con, live con was, I think, last year I had the best time. Uh, that I've had at a live con, so yeah, I'm going to this one. Really looking forward to it. Um, yeah, and the yeah, the draft timetable does look exciting. It's always slightly worrying when you see stuff on there that was on there from last year. And I think I'm not actually sure <laughs> how much of this is cut and paste. Uh, uh, I'm looking forward to it with a mixture of anticipation and trepidation. Um, basically because it's the first, I've got an event on there which I'm running for the first time at LaveCon so it's kind of like oh I'm on display rather than being able to hide in the corner of a bar somewhere <laughs> I'll, I'll be on display so yeah you are the entertainment Chan oh, dance monkey dance 
I thought you were doing I thought you were doing some karaoke then. Grant, <coughs> Grant, Grant keeps threatening karaoke. I don't think we've ever quite managed to quite get there yet. Thank God. I, I thought you were doing. I thought you were rickrolling people. Oh God! No. In the main room. No, 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 no. No, no, we couldn't. Sham would. Yes, Sham would. No, Sham would just sit down and refuse. He yep. wouldn't want to sit on what I've got planned for him. Right. Anyway, I'm going to move on and try and wrap this thing up. So we've got some shout-outs to do. So James Bradley just got Elite Dangerous on the PC and bought himself a, a hot-ass for it. Uh, he's won, He got himself a, X, a Logitech X56. No, he wants the X56. Um, he'd love to have a Warthog, but that's $500, so it's going to take a while. He made it fairly far on Xbox, but it's so much better on the PC, and he needs something to entertain him as he dedicates his life to Elite all over again. He's listening to Live Radio in order, starting from episode 2. And I just wanted to say that he loves the show. Um, and so, you know, Jarvis, he loved you about five years ago or something like that. I get that a lot. You, yeah. you five years ago really helped, are really helping revitalize him for this thing. So, <laughs> it just, it's the fact, you, you're saying, I'm listening all the way from episode two and making way forward. I was like, okay, well, just for that, when you get, you know, in about 200 episodes time, I'm going to give you a shout out, mate. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's always funny when people say they go back and listen to it from the beginning because I think for about the first fifty, we hadn't, we didn't even have the game. It was just purely speculation. So uh, yeah, always fun. No, we didn't, we didn't have any content, you know, at the very first LaveCon either, really, did we? Awesome. You know, that was all, that was all beta stuff. There's no, mm. oh yeah, game content. Yeah, there's yeah. no game content whatsoever. You know, the 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 content in inverted comma was you and Alan playing. Um, <laughs> oh, you and no. guitar and Alan doing his, his keyboard. No, that was uh, awesome. I really liked that. So no. for episode two hundred, part two, <laughs> I repeat that particular feat since it was so no. memorable I, ages ago. I don't I think, think I've any videos have made that. Yeah, I, I think, I think I've always been live. very comfortable performing music live, but I think Alan did say never again. <laughs> Will he perform music live? I think Alan did say <laughs> that as well, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very but, good. Not but he didn't. <laughs> we'll see. And I also need to give a shout-out to Commander Tokoso, who went off and asked if he could submit a whole load of Lave Radio banners for the for Frontiers competition that ended today. For you know the advert ban the advert competition that, that Frontier were running. Awesome. So Commander Tokoso went off and did a whole load of of things for Lay Radio, which look amazing, and obviously we'll include them in the show notes as well. I'm I, I really glad he did that because I thought about doing it, but the Lay Radio advert would look like those stick men on the flick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could do an XKCD equivalent of for Lay Radio or something like that, maybe, but less funny and less intelligent. I would just throw a sidewinder at it and be done with it. Yeah, that's, that's probably better than I could do, actually. Right, well, I think that is about us for this evening, isn't it? It's time for the news, isn't it, after the... Uh... I do believe we do have some, we do indeed have Commander Wotherspoon's Garnet News. So I'm going to say thank you very much to Commander Tempragor, maybe Tempragor, Galen Reynolds, Miggles, Pom, 
and Thudpacker and whoever who have all made it out here to to the middle of this fog bank in game. Thank you very much to everybody over on the Twitch chat. Thank you very much to everyone on Discord as well. So don't expect me to le- read all your names out live. Thank you very much to Jarvis, to Shan, to Kurgol, to Toxic, and to Tom. That's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you want to get in touch with the show, then you can email us on info at laveradio.com. We're on facebook.com slash laveradio. We are at laveradio on Twitter. You can join the Discord chat channel by going to discord.io slash laveradio. We're also on TeamSpeak on teamspeak.laveradio.com. Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening at 8.30 and streamed out at laveradio.com slash live. Thank you very much to everybody, and until next time, fly safe, and if you can't do that, fly dangerous. May 3304. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, cloaking ban plan for pamphlet pimps. Outrage at organised crime levy on damaged stations. To infinity and beyond, again. It's life battle, but not as we know it. Crazy buckyballers drop in unannounced. Cloaking ban plan for pamphlet pimps. A radical proposal has been made today to ban power play pilots from the cloak of anonymity and force them to confront their peers, compatriots and opponents. For too long, 
the Pilots' Federation reasons, the expansion, fortification and undermining of the squabbling factions that form the second tier of government in the galaxy have been cloak and dagger operations. The Pilots' Federation reckons that taking away the cloak but leaving the dagger seems a nice compromise, and that removing the stealth options currently available to commanders should engender a lively political debate. It's far from a done deal, but if the proposal goes through, Powerplay may become a whole lot more exciting. Outrage at organised crime levy on damaged stations Commanders throughout the galaxy have been voicing their concern over the protection fees charged by the Camorra of Wolf 359 for emergency repair shipments to stations recovering from Thargoid attack. The head of marketing for the Camorra, the evil Don Antonacci, is believed to be claiming 50% of every repair shipment, so that for every thousand tons of a commodity shipped into a damaged station, only 500 tons is available to repair the station. The Camorra has been active in the Pleiades and throughout the bubble since it was ejected from Vert's progress in Wolf 359 by the Hutton truckers. The Camorra's leader, the so-called head of marketing, is believed to be responsible for almost all the bad things that happen in the galaxy. To infinity and beyond, again. Another attempt is being made on the record to be the furthest living soul from Sol. Commander Keith Drow plans to supercruise in a straight line directly away from Semotus Beacon, which is 65,647.34 light-years from Sol, and contains Salome's Reach, the most distant landable planet in the galaxy. The commander plans to cruise past Salome's Reach, past the site of the Fuel Rat's rescue of Commander Persera on the 20th of December 3303, currently the furthest location reached at 48-hour supercruise from the star, and, with the assistance of Commander Klutz to refuel him, he hopes to spend two weeks flying towards absolutely nothing, before jettisoning some items of sentimental value and turning for home. Commander Keith Drow is streaming the whole two weeks of what promises to make Desert Bus seem mildly amusing. The Fuel Rats are said to be getting somewhat nervous. It's life battle, but not as we know it. The indefatigable Commander Baton has identified a planet with not one, not two, but with all three of the zero atmosphere forms of life. The planet HIP 41908 AB1CA has a pumpkin patch. It has bark mounds and it has brain trees. This gives it the most diverse ecosystem in the known galaxy. He would have the full set if only Commander Baton could find some barnacles there too. Crazy Buckyballers drop in unannounced. The illegal Buckyball Racing Club's latest wheeze is to encourage commanders to jump off a mountain, 
and land inside a planetary base. Giving a whole new meaning to the term base jumping, the event will take place on planet ABC4AB in the Beta Sculptoris system, and the unfortunate settlement being targeted is Smith Base. Inhabitants of Smith Base have been warned to carry reinforced umbrellas at all times during the event, which runs from the 19th to the 27th of May. And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to.